I love this how the podcast starts with a, a close-up of Nate's uh, hat. It's a nice hat. Yeah, one we're one Good happy morning. person and two grumpy people. I'm not grumpy. Oh. I'm not even how I'm not even upset about it. How was your week, I'm, fellas? I think I've come off of a uh, bridge watch. I've had several people assigned to uh all the major bridges in the surrounding Orlando area. Just <laughs> have they have they all been fitted with those special uh, kind of bus shelter things over the time? Actually, there's, there, there, there's a big bridge in Tampa called the Skyway Bridge. You'll have to look it up. And they've added all those kind of things because they just want to prevent people from just, <laughs> just jumping straight off. Jumping, <laughs> off with their, with their team, jumping off with their Team USA uh, jerseys on. Brutal. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not that honestly. I'm not that upset. I, I mean, I should be maybe more upset, but I, I mean, even with my like my uh, my sports teams and stuff like this, like I, I'm sad for about five minutes, and then I just get over it pretty quick. I, I don't look at this as that much difference than cheering for my favorite sports teams. Um, I mean, it's same with the Olymp. I mean, should I care more? Maybe, but I'm not going to London every single year or Vegas every single year for you know, to watch the USA players win. I'm there to have a good time and network with friends and uh, different companies. And that's, uh, you know, that's kind of what I'm there for is I'm there to have a good time and to have a fun party atmosphere, not to watch us win. So it's, you know, I get so many messages. I've got, from I've, like, got, I've, got, I've got a question for you then. Sure. The other sports teams that you support, does any of the players in, in, in those teams give up after they miss one ball? Um. Well, I know what would happen if to them if they did. <laughs> they wouldn't be on the bus ride home. They wouldn't be on the plane home. Their their coaches would tell them to uh, take this one out. We'll uh, we'll pick you up next year when we're back. Are you trying to insinuate something, Jim? I would like to hear. Was your, just, a, uh, just a question. I just wanted to hear your views. Uh, well, on I would like I would like to hear you elaborate a little bit. Could you do that for me? Did you see something that you would like to share with the like with the group here? Let's just say that. It's an uphill battle for USA anyway, you know, and they did all right last year. 11-7 wasn't such a bad thing. They get Federer on the team. 11-8. You would imagine that that's an improvement to the team. But they've got three, they've got three top guys, three, three top players in their team, and they've got two that are a level below, you know. If you're just talking Fargo, you've got three 800-plusers, and you've got a couple that are in the 760 to the 780. They're relying on their three guys, their three top guys, to be there and to be invested in the in the match from the start right to the finish. And they weren't. Um, Shane misses two balls in the in the team match. Two sitters basically that he should never ever miss. But it can happen, you know. He's out there first. The pressure's on. The crowd are at the loudest because the Muscogee Cup's just started, so they're, they're they're right into it. Everybody's involved, and it just seemed to me from there on, after those two missed balls, that he just wasn't invested in the match anymore. And um, it, it, yeah, I have to be careful how much I say here. There's from a guy like Shane, you expect him to be in the locker room saying. I want this match. I want to play this. I want to put me up, coach. Get me in there. I'm Captain America. I'm ready. I'm here for the team. I believe in this team. This is, you know, everything that he says in the press conference and beforehand, you expect that to be in the locker room as well and not 
yeah, no, I don't want to play these matches. I don't want to play that one. I don't want to play in this position. I don't want to, no, no, don't put me out first. Don't put me. That's not what you need from one of your top guys. You need your top guys all to be standing up and saying, no, give it to me, coach. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll get the momentum back. I'll be there. Put me out on day two, three times, you know? Okay, so so let me ask you this question, Jim. Do you think that that would go, that would fly on Europe's team? Do you think if, let's say, let's say Jason walked up to Ralph and said, I'm not feeling this match. Uh, Put me, put in someone else. I I don't want to play it. What do you think would happen? The question, the, the question I'd be asking is why? Is it because what just happened? Because if it's because of what just happened, then get over it because we need everybody here. I want you out there again and I want you to play a good match and forget about that because I need you for the rest of the tournament. If it's because you've just given up, then yeah, okay. The problem that, the problem that Team USA have, now I mean, I'm sure we're going to go and we'll, we'll talk about the captains later on, I'm sure. <clears throat> we don't know whether or not it'll be JJ again next year. <clears throat> you know, He's had four years now where he's lost all four. We don't know. Um, it could go either way. I mean, I don't know who else it would be, but we'll, we'll talk about that later on, I'm sure. But whoever the, the captain is next year, if it's me, my it's number not one going priority... To be no, but, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm in those shoes, my number one priority is how do I get Shane involved in this? How do I get Shane invested for the full four days? Because it looks like from the outside looking in, and from some stuff I've heard from the inside, there's a point in the match where you're inclined to think we can't win this anymore. Shane reaches that point a lot quicker than the rest of his team at the moment, and he has done in the last few years. It's quite obvious in his body language. I think you know um, you can't have that. You can't have your top guy. You can't. He has to be the one. He has to be pulling on the, the rest. You know, that's what you would expect from him. Not that okay. somebody like Tyler is having to pull on him, you know? So who, do you, so who do you think the bigger problem is then? From what you're from what you're saying, who do you think the bigger problem is, JJ or Shane? If you had to cut one of them. Well, Shane, because he's got to go out there. Well, Shane, because he's got to go out there and point the balls. But you can't do anything about it because Shane is never not going to be on the top three ranking. So you can't, he's not, you're, no captain is going to have the option of leaving Shane out of the team. Shane will only not be in the team if he says one year, you know what, guys, try it without me. Because he's always going to be top three. How do you get three players above him on the ranking? It's not going to happen. It's just simply not going to happen. So he's always going to be in the team. So you have to, as a captain, you have to work with it. And you have to do something about it. And I'm not sure who, who it is. Johan is a guy who did get through to him and would be able to get him playing because Johan can get everybody playing, you know? So um, then that begs the question, why are we getting rid of why are we getting rid of Shane when there is a coach out there that have been that has been able to get that? Isn't that a coaching thing? I didn't say get rid of Shane. I said somebody has to be able to to get him involved in the match, to get him as a leader within that team to get him invested in going for the full four days. All right. So here's, here's the new Jim, Jim, you're the new Emily. Ready? Uh, You have to fix team USA. You get to make one move. Is it to get rid of Shane or is it to get rid of JJ? But you can't get rid of Shane. How do you get rid of Shane? If he qualifies in the top threes in the team. I mean, you could, you could put pressure on him saying like, 
uh, we we can tell that you're giving up. We've talked to enough people that you're giving up. You're you're no if you're gonna just gonna go out there and give up on stage, we're not gonna allow you in there. And if you want to fight it, we will as Matchroom decide that uh, we're going to sell you out for. But, see, but, you, you, but you're doing what everybody on Facebook is doing. You're trying no, to. I'm just, you're, no, you I'm are, just you're, doing, to... You're, you're, you're This is what this is what's happened on Facebook and social media at the moment. People want to change the rules and move the goalposts in order to make it give USA a better chance. That's not how it works. If you want to have a better chance, you work harder, you get better. And the things that you're not doing right, you do better. And one of the things that they're not doing right is they're not staying invested in the match. They're giving up too easily. They're take, And it's difficult. I know when you've been getting battered every single year, you get to a point where you think, well, this one we've lost as well. How do we get back from here? It's very difficult mentally. But it shouldn't be the guy who is seen as your greatest player ever who's doing that. If he gives up the rest of the team, it's very difficult for them to not to give up. We've definitely seen yep. him give up visually at least the last three years that I've seen. Exactly. So that has to be fixed. It's not that he has to be removed. Well, okay. So, that, coach, so then it's this, a digit. This is for me, the next coach that comes in, or if it's Jeremy again, this would be my priority. How do I get Shane invested for the four full days? How do I get him to feel like he's the man and he needs to be here? And he, I don't know. I don't know who so, the guy so, is that does that. Well, we will definitely talk about coaching going forward. Um, I mean, I, I, do we want to jump right into this conversation? I guess I, we can recap it, but I mean, who doesn't know what happened really? I mean, we can talk about specific matches later on maybe. Uh, I mean, so Jim, as the European who's watching uh, Europe just basically, I shouldn't say beat us down because honestly last year was a lot more competitive than uh, – I even think the score was, and then the year before that, what we had the—that was the COVID year where Jeremy had to st jump into the last second. I believe that was eleven to six. Am I am I right in thinking of that, Ray? Be about that, Jim. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. What was that? The the COVID year that JJ actually jumped in and played was that eleven? Well, that wasn't the COVID. That wasn't the COVID year. That was just. Well, that was well, yes. Yeah, so it wasn't the COVID. It was the year that Earl had COVID. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Let's 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 talk about this and let's just jump in there. Do we think that Shane uh, or do we think that JJ has what it takes to get Shane into that mind space? Uh, Ray, I mean, you're, you've been you've been pretty quiet. Let's see what you think. Um, <clears throat> if I could have the floor just for a little bit, because I think Telfer had 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 the floor for a little while. He brings up some important points. Go ahead. I think what well, we have are facts, right? We have information. We know that the only constant that we've seen in the last four years with the current captaincy is loss, right? So we don't have any evidence that JJ has been able to turn the ship. And we do have evidence that the three years prior, we had a competitive cup and the last captain to run the, to run the ship and win two out of three and two in a row was Johan. So for whatever that's worth, we know that Johan has a pedigree of winning and has established himself with the credentials to do the job. So in the short term, as we look at qualifications for captaincy, we, you know, I don't know of any other sport where a coach uh, doesn't produce and doesn't, uh, you know, keeps his job indefinitely. You know, that's just the reality of, of team sports, especially, especially one where we have seen the impact of really top tier, like qualified coaching on raising the bar and raising the standard. Uh, and creating a standard for teams in match play and getting more out of the team than there is on paper. Uh, I'm a big Miami Heat fan. Uh, 
Eric Spolstra is the best is like, he's a wizard in the NBA. That program, that developmental program in Miami is world-class and they last season took a, a roster of undrafted players to the NBA finals. And unfortunately they had a bunch of key injuries that kept them from delivering their best in the finals but they beat a Celtics team that everybody thought was supposed to run over them. They beat the Bucks first round as the eighth seed. Uh, they just walked over the Eastern Conference because that program knows how to get synergy together and build a team that the sum of its parts are greater than the individuals, right? And that's really what we're talking about. Moscone Cup is so unique because it's a team environment. So there are certain things that just, uh, for me, are, are just non-starters when it comes to team play. And if you're trying to address those things at the Moscone Cup, then it's too late. And I've said this before on the podcast, that if you have concerns about certain players or certain behaviors, you have to address those before you go to battle. Because if you're trying to address them while you're in battle, it's too late and you've, you've mismanaged your job as a leader. Whoever is the leader of that team, I'm still not sure who was the leader for that team because, you know, when Europe is going to do what they do and they're going to put pressure on you and then the crowd is going to stack pressure on you and then eventually you're going to hit a threshold where the European player is going to feel like you're not going to put heat on them and then they're going to get comfortable and then it's too late and then you've allowed the snowball to get too big and now you're just trying to, to, to outrun the avalanche, right? That's exactly what happened this cup. There was not a moment where Team USA put any pressure on Team Europe and they were just free reeling and enjoying themselves and laughing and dancing. So for me, there's a few things that I think um, it, this is a two-part problem. One, five days before uh, a tournament this big is nowhere near enough time to, 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 to put a team together and call them a team. You don't just put five individuals together and just say, this is a team five days before an event and expect to have any kind of unity or synergy or trust. Because when you're out there, you have to trust the person that's to your left and to your right and know that to Jim's to, to, to Jim's point, they're hundred percent committed, right? They're not going to drop the ball. If you sag a little bit, they'll pick you up. Uh, if you know you're feeling the heat, they'll walk you through that. You walk through that together as brothers in arms, and you either win or lose together. That's like that's got to be a standard. I've said it so in so many words in the past that if I ever make the Moscone Cup, and um, if I ever make the Moscone Cup and I'm in a situation where a person to my left or my right starts to show a sign of quitting, I will have to drag them into the back room and give them an option. Either they change their attitude or we have to fight. And that's the end of the conversation. So nobody, to my estimation, watching the team, nobody is willing to have these accountability discussions and have these confrontations. This to me points to a lack, a serious lack, a negligent level lack of leadership, okay? Good leadership is accountability. And at the team level, when somebody's not doing their job or not sticking up to their end of the bargain, an alpha has to come out of that group and say, this will not be tolerated and we have to fight. Like, that's just how it is. Amongst men, that's how we communicate. It speaks to a primal understanding of who we are and we get a, a reality check like, oh, okay, this is not just about me. So I can either disengage and quit altogether or I can, I, I, I can come in line. It doesn't have to be the best player. It doesn't have to be the person with the most tenure. You don't need, you shouldn't have to rely on somebody from a foreign country who has proven that they can win to tell you these things to get people in line. So if you're not going to be in line, don't show up. 
If it's about money, here's my money. Take my money, leave. I'd rather have somebody who's going to commit themselves to the process and walk all the way through because in team sports, that's how you win. The challenge we face as Americans with the Europeans is that they've been given the formula so much and they've been in practice so much that now they have a routine. They've habitualized this process. And now not only that, they had a team coming back from last year who knew how to work with each other enough that they they knew what worked and, and they knew how to check their egos. They knew how to pump each other up. They knew what to say, when to say, what not to say. For each player, it was just status as as normal well, and that's fun if i could jump in really quick right because like i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you continue but uh the the thing that's not talked about enough i think and and i don't know if this is as well known as people think it is in the u.s team usa does not like each other these people are not hanging out i mean shane and shane and sky absolutely they are they shane wolford i should say but team usa is not friends they're not hanging out on the weekends they're not they're not traveling together across the country they are they are nothing but like singles that are trying to come together as a team the europeans are genuinely friends i mean we had an incident at, on our one of our vip days uh and i won't i won't throw anybody under the bus for this but you know basically there was some some stuff said between some of the players and josh and alvin just go on and start talking in german why because that's what they do i mean they're friends and David and FSR, best friends. Yeah, uh, Alvin and Josh, really yeah. good friends. I mean, Jason and Josh, really good friends. There, there's, there's a lot to be said for that, right? Because they have a mutual cultural understanding amongst each other. My point is that if that's the case for Team USA, we have more individuals, then a coach, his job is to establish a, a standard, right? You're saying we have all these individuals that have their own kind of way of doing things. As a team, this is the standard. These are the pillars that we're going to build our, our operandi around. This is how we're going to be structured. And this is what each of you have to commit to. Otherwise, you can't play on Team USA. So that's the job of the coach. And however long it takes to mold the individual psyches and get them to shift, find the trigger points for each individual person. Johan has mentioned this in the past, that he'll go and spend a week with each individual player Leading up to the leading up to the event to make sure that they're mentally and technically ready to go, and so that gives the coach insight to know where to pull these lever points, these trigger points, these things. Know which players to let go in certain areas, which players you have to rein in in certain areas. That's all captaincy. That's all coaching. Somebody like Phil Jackson, imagine running the Bulls, right? Having people like Dennis Rodman, who I got to go to Vegas and go wrestle and do all this other stuff, like. He let Michael him Jordan go. went there and, and dragged Jordan, him out of Las Vegas. <laughs> there and said, hey, it's time to get back to work because they know. He didn't how, say that. He didn't say that. <laughs> but to Rodman's credit, he showed up and he, and, he, and he executed when it mattered. And that's really what we're talking about because all this other stuff doesn't matter if you don't come to the table and execute when it's your time. So as far as getting to the table and executing, it was a failure, obviously, this year. I have ideas about how that can be changed what needs to be put in place overall on the u.s side structurally throughout the year which i think is necessary to help build a team-like culture that is not necessarily present in the upbringing in the united states we're still kind of built on and raised and have been raised by ideas that are outdated when it comes to gambling and it comes to the hustle culture it used to be like i can come up now and make a winning and make earnings off of keeping my my opponent in the dark right 
as far as knowledge and skill and, and, and but the, the landscape of pool is completely changed since then. And now we have a, a global platform where we get to put forth ourselves as an offering to show what we have and we're getting embarrassed. And so to me, I get royally pissed off every time I get to this table, knowing that we're not doing what we need to do to shift the culture and reshape the landscape. And we're offering ourselves up to be laughed at by the global pool community. To me, I'm insulted every time that I have to look up online and see Kachi or see Al-Qaeda or see whoever making flippant jokes on their stories or on their Facebook posts about how they're dead stealing and, and USA needs needs uh, needs games on the wire or even Emily joking about how, uh, you know, the, the Team USA is getting two to one uh, because they pushed the golden buzzer. I'm sorry. I'm dead on tilt, livid having to read that stuff. And other people are just joking about it, like, oh, we're getting trounced or whatever. It's not funny. You should, guys should be embarrassed to put up this as a product, every last one of them. And until somebody can stand up in each of their faces and say, you didn't do the job, okay? And you did not do good enough and we need to be better and everybody believes that, then you don't get progress. Now, during the Moscone Cup, I think there were flagrant things that I think are just out of this world, non-starters, not not possible that a Moscone Cup happens and you don't have certain things happen, okay? I think it's impossible to me that you can lose the Moscone Cup and not put up your best Scotch doubles pairing. best pairing. That's the dumbest to thing me, I've ever seen. I want to run through That's the dumbest wall. thing I've ever seen. I want to I wanna run wait, through wait, a brick wait. wall. The fact that I can look at the end of day four and see my best Scotch doubles pairing not get a chance to play and put a point on the board. They're, they're World Cup finalists twice. World Cup finalists twice semi-finalists once, and they've never lost a match together in the Moscone Cup. How the hell do you not put this team up to play day one? This is asinine. At, at, at worst, the first one on day two. At worst. I'm sorry. I love everybody involved. I'm hot, okay? This is asinine. <laughs> this is absolutely egregious captaincy. It's not, it's, 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 it's not just that. End of day two, you're seven one down, and Skyler, the guy that, that that everyone says is the best performer, he didn't play a single match on day two. He didn't play a single match on day two. He played one. He played one singles match on day one, and that's all his involvement was to seven one behind. That doesn't make sense to me either. I'm I'm gonna get there. You, there's no way you don't start day one without Shane and Sky. There. Yeah. They're critical to your success. They're the best. Unless Scotch they start the first one on day two, I'm okay with them. No, that's they, it. They, one of those two. You can't lose the cup and not play them. You got to play them. Yes. I'm sorry. Absolutely. Okay? You got to play them. Second, you know, Wolford is, is such, you know, he works his heart out, goes through the scare of potentially not making a team, qualifies to make the team, and he barely gets a look. He doesn't get played until the end of day three. And then you put him in the worst possible position to make a singles debut in Moscone Cup history. The worst thing you could ever ask for is Survive. to make your singles debut to save the cup and keep the team alive. I'm sorry. That's that's negligence and egregious captaincy. You, you just can't do that. Okay. And I understand that the decisions made on day one shaped day two. And you had some some whatever stuff happening amongst the players that led to the day two lineup, whatever. Day three happened. And then that's where, where you put your rookie. It's asinine. Feder is a rookie for Team USA, has never played in front of a crowd. You put him in the worst possible position to make his debut. By the way, go save the cup and play three times in a row against who you know is going to be coming out. Filler played like God. You know you're going to have to go beat him and then go beat FSR and then go play a doubles match. 
To me, that's the worst possible position that you could put a rookie in with a team that has no identity. It's unfair to the better. It's unfair to the rest of the teams. And it doesn't show like synergy and balance. Okay. To me, can I, can I quickly comment on the Federer three yeah. times in a row? Won't say who, but I was talking to some people involved. Federer was the only one that stood up and said, I'll do it. I understand Federer's going to put himself out there and throw himself on he his He was the only one that said, he's I'll an do honorable, it. He's an honorable guy and he's trying to prove his point. I think he is doing the noble thing to say, I'll do it because nobody else in the team would. And I totally get that. I'm not saying it's Federer's fault. I'm saying, there is no leadership that puts up your top guy and throws him up as an offering, coin flipping him because that's mishandling the resource. You have a treasure there. You're supposed to protect your athletes and put them in spots to win. That's not putting them in a spot to win. It can only put them in a spot to be a hero or to be slaughtered. No in-betweens. You don't mm -hmm. give them a chance to make you points and build, and build confidence. It's asinine. Okay, you just can't do that. You just can't do that. The team matchup first, the first thing, which is what we're all lynching this argument about, you put up Shane first. We know that his mental predisposition is to unplug and to not be the leader. Sky has been your leader. You put him up first every single time forever into the history of the end of the United States to the end of the earth. You start with him because he's a guy who's going to have good energy. He's going to stay positive. He's going to be engaged and it forces the other guys to stay behind him. He's going to be a tone setter and he's go up there and he's going to play fun. He's going to play loose. He has the most experience playing in that format, right? Then probably you put in Fetter to just get it out of the way. Put him up there. Let the Euros, oh, you're not American, not born. In the, whatever you want to do, do your stuff. Get him in there in a safe spot so he can do his thing. Then maybe you put up Babe Ruth. You know what I mean? You put up Shane as your, as your cleanup guy, right, or your third hitter. Maybe even you put Tyler in that spot, and then you put Shane, and then you put Wolford. But if you put up Shane third, then you're guaranteeing him probably a second look, and the pressure's a little bit off of him, right? He doesn't have to be the guy to set the tone. He doesn't like that. We know he doesn't like that. We have history proving that that's not who he is. So let's not put him in a spot to where he's just going to pull the plug from the, from the wall, even with his deficiencies mentally in this setting. You got to protect your player. This is not protecting your 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 player. This is putting him in a spot to be vulnerable. Even though he's a five-time US Open champion and a world champion, all this individual success in the team environment, he's he he it's tenuous. It's it's a house of cards. And it's up to you to figure out the maze to put him in a spot to be successful. Now, of course, if he goes up there and doesn't dog those two balls, the team gets peppered up, all this other stuff, that's great. A fourth thing that really bothered me is that I didn't feel like this team had an identity. As soon as the wheels started coming off the rails, it, who was the leader? Who was in Tyler. charge? Who Tyler was, was always the leader. It, it felt like nothing had substance and everybody was kind of like deer caught in their headlights and they're just like, oh, I guess I'll just go do Like to me, this, is, this speaks to a lack of preparation and a lack of identity. There's no standard that's been set. There's nobody that's, go, that's willing to go up there and say, this is where we're going to be. This is the line of the sand. We're not crossing this line at all ever. Backs to the wall. This is where we stop. This is a standard we hold, and this is how we move forward. This is all leadership stuff to me. And to me, there was a, there was an, a just egregious lack of it, okay? And then I have to sit here and watch Jason doing his little dance and doing all sorts of stuff. Europe, to their credit, they played great. I thought there were moments, especially in the first day, where they showed signs of weakness, and we had opportunities to put pressure on them, and we didn't. Once those opportunities pass, it's too late, and you've allowed the, the behemoth to wake up and realize that he's a monster. 
But it's in the, the reality is this: in team sports, it doesn't take five juggernauts to go beat somebody. It takes five guys who act as one. We had five individuals acting out there, and and it, there was a fracture. There was not a cohesive unit that went out there. And so somewhere between the time that the team was announced and to the time that the first lag happened, there was a fracture that wasn't healed or wasn't set up or wasn't established because of things that weren't said. And if if you're not willing to say those things, but you're willing to go out there and be embarrassed, that you're not willing to lead and 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 bring home a win, you know, which is what we all want. We want a competitive Moscone Cup. I think that roster is enough to go get a, a win, even though we got crushed. To me, with Johan leading that team, or even just proper preparation, two weeks is not going to do it. You have to be preparing now, a year in advance. You have to be building and working together to get to a point where you're going to be firing on all, on all cylinders when it comes to Moscone Cup time. But this is something that really bothers me because I feel like, you know, it, it's not good for us. It's not good for the Cup. It embarrasses some of our young guys. I felt like we mismanaged our roster. I felt like day one lineup should have been Shane and Sky first. Tyler and Fetter is your next most complimentary doubles pairing of the, of the last three remaining players. They're both trained by Johan. Both have similar mechanics and styles. And then you put up Wolford in the singles in a no-pressure situation. Am you I know wrong in saying that Fedor and, uh, Fedor and Tyler never played together? They, they, they did yeah, not. They did. They, I think they did. No, they did not. It was, I don't uh, think they it, did. It was Shane and, uh, anyways, that those two doubles pairings first day, Shane and Tyler, and then Skyler and, uh, 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 who was it? No, it was, uh, Fetter and Wolford are like your fifth and eighth best doubles pairing to start right. the Moscow Money Cup. That's not good enough. You put up Shane and Sky first. Your best, your next, because it, it's a doubles day, honestly. It's a team day and then a doubles day, right? So it's two doubles matches and singles. You put up Tyler and you put up Fetter together. They're very complementary styles. They'll play uh, uniformly together. They have experience kind of training under the same person. So you know there's a pedigree there. And then Wolford gets to play singles in a no-pressure situation. Nobody expects him in the world to beat Filler, right? Filler's going to go up there and be a juggernaut. He played unbelievable. But he gets to at least feel like he's plugged into the team. He's here. He gets a chance to add value. And if the balls go his way and he guts filler, do you know what that does to the psyche for Team Europe? It absolutely crushes them on day one. And now the fans start, mm. start climbing down their ass. This I don't is what, think, no, I don't think that's true at all. Because I think Ralph Elker, Ralph Record can keep his team in line. The, you could have had a janitor who sells. How, you, how did you know it could have been a cardboard cutout of Ralph Eckert? They would have done exactly the same. He was drinking tea the whole tournament. Leave me alone. He didn't, he didn't have to do anything. That's the easiest thing anyone's ever heard. The, the guy, I mean. Johan put up Tyler in that exact same position, and we were down 2 uh, 0. And then Tyler went up there and stole a match from Team uh, Europe by beating Niels and absolutely changed the trajectory and momentum of that Moscone Cup, and we go on to win. But you have to get your rookie involved early to make him feel like he's not being coddled and protected and kept to the side and hidden from these other killers. There's five killers over there. Tough. You're going to have to go beat them. Eventually, you're going to. So now, if you put him in that position, it's no pressure. And it's not Skyler having to come in and like everything felt like it was exactly backwards to me. All the lineups were overthought, were backwards. We didn't get to see Shane and Sky play at all. To me, that's egregious. You don't win the cup doing that. You need every point that you can get. So go out there and get the point. They haven't been beat yet in Moscow any cup. Last year, they ended up playing Francisco and David, who were the World Cup champions, and snapped them off. You know what I mean? So this guy, this is the strongest team you have. Lead with your hammers and start going out there and clawing away and prevent any, like, avalanche. You can't be down 4-0 to start. That's 
that's just not good enough. Now, I know the players have to go and execute all that other stuff. And if the players say, oh, I want this, I want that, eventually you're going to have to be the captain and say, this is what you're going to go do. I, this is what this is the spot that we need you in. This is what you're going to go do. So you can't let the players lead the ship and then have five different ideas as to what. Otherwise, you could have anybody be 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 captain and be the leader, right? Is that what you're telling me? That it has no value at all? No. But these guys on Team Europe have the luxury of having gone out there and won in the past, and they have a system, they know what works, and they shelf their ego. They just shelf it. They go up there and they say, I'm for him, I'm for there, I support. They do all the things right. Like Francisco knows how to how to you know give up authority to David. David goes in there and like they help each other because they've worked out together forever. Filler goes out there. He's got the support of his guys. Albin is super chill. He's got no ego. He doesn't care if he doesn't play at all. Or he just goes up there and plays one match. Alvin goes and does his job. Jason was the emotional leader for the team. He did his thing. And then Josh was your was your was your saw. He, he was your machine gun. He's gonna go out there and, and shoot everybody down. So you know, they have their roles. They know what they have to do. They're just going to go out there and do it. Us, it didn't feel like those roles were defined. It looked like, you know, who's going to go up there and win? Who's going to go up there and like, you know, kind of write this. By the time that you're at the cup and you're kind of looking around to see who the leader is, if you don't have that on paper figured out and done, you don't have an identity yet. And that to me comes down to preparation. If you don't have that preparation down, you're just sacrificing yourself to just get embarrassed and humiliated. And to me, that's unacceptable. As an American fan, it's unacceptable to put some to put a team out there and say, this is a team. It's not a team. It's not a team. Well, I, yeah. Uh, I, I, guess the thing, just, I think, I mean, yes, there was mistakes made. I, think I agree with mistakes in the lineup. I agree that the, the players didn't get, that it wasn't a team. But can I just acknowledge the fact that I think I mean, I know you mentioned it as well, the pressure's off, the snowball gets bigger and the behemoth wakes up. I've been a lot of Moscone Cups. I think that was my 12th Moscone Cup. I've watched it throughout all the years before that as well. I saw two of the best performances and probably the best performance that I've ever seen at any Moscone Cup from Shaw Jason, and especially Jason, Filler. Jason and Josh are like... I think, I think Filler hit a level that we've never seen at a Moscone Cup before. Yeah, Filler really was exceptional. There the, were the moments he was running. People don't, but I think people just don't understand. Yeah, there was, there was, really I think was. it was him and, and I think it was him and um, FSR playing doubles, I believe, where he had that long, kind of slightly off angle shot from uh, the short rail and he shooting, pounded yeah, it, shooting the cue ball off the rail and back up. And he looked like, he looked like, 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 like the pocket was 10 inches wide. You yeah, know, it was hanging. It was unbelievable. I looked at Jim after he hit that, and I'm like, I looked at Jim after he said that. I've never seen anybody play at that level in a Moscone. No, it, it's it's unbelievable, really. He, uh, special, and you know, he's built for that kind of environment, right? He, and he's uh, again one of these guys who who has supreme confidence, but willing to do whatever for the team. The team trusts him. He trusts the team. There's no, I think I, I made a comment the other day. He might be the best doubles partner in the world. Really, you could. I well, mean, can he, you imagine how you imagine how relaxed he must be as his partner? Well, he won. Him, I can leave him anywhere. Didn't I mean, he win? Did didn't he win the World Cup for Germany with two different partners? With a with a with a league player like a, a guy my level. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just like a, like a generic German league player. Yeah, and I remember a shot where. Branches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, you know, a d decent player, but I mean, you're not you're not talking about an 800 player. And he has the pick of whoever he he wants to play with, but I remember during that tournament, 
Josh noticed that his partner was a little shaky on a key positional shot in a key match. Yeah. He told him, just stop the ball. He had a long six foot, seven yeah. foot in the tight pocket. He just said, just, just stop. He goes, are you sure? He goes, yeah. He stops the ball and Josh just pumps the ball, eight, the eight ball in, gets him perfect. And it's just disgusting. You know, you're like, what? Yeah. what the hell? I mean, uh, so, yeah, I, I, if there's something about Josh and Jason that like feeds them, they love to look across to their opponents and know that it doesn't really matter what they do because their opponents are so discombobulated that even if they make mistakes, it's, it's not going to cost them. They feed off that. I mean, you would look at Josh. I, I remember catching Josh uh, playing against, I think uh, the singles match against um, Sky on day one, he made a shot and then he looked over at Sky and Sky's just like, and Josh just like, just is like, mm, yes, this is awesome. He's just, he's just yeah. raveling in all of it. He loves demoralizing his opponents. Josh is a bit sociopathic in that way. Uh, he's like, but he it, loves, it makes him great, yeah. man. It makes him. No, great. I mean, he's a killer. They call him Killer Filler for a reason, right? I mean, he's yeah. up there. Like, he's he he really played a great cup. Uh, there were some really great kick shots as well. I think little Chris mentions his, uh, that safety exchange between him. Um, and the thing Jeff, is, as soon as as soon as he hit it, he walked away from the table because he knew. Oh, he yeah. well, he's plugged in. He, he's, and he's gone right. That's great. You, you, you've, had that, you've had that feeling. You've had that feeling where you just you're connected to the condition yeah. and to the table, and you just know. You know what I mean? And he probably more than anybody has had has had that feeling of late and knows how to deliver in big pressure moments. So, you know, he's going to be... Not just that. He, he knows how to elevate his performance sure. as the pressure elevates. Oh, yeah. And that's that's There's very few people in any sport anywhere that yeah. can elevate when the pressure gets to its maximum. And yeah. that's just insane. No, jo Josh played great. I think the only match that he really lost was the, sh the match that Shane went out there and looked... Shane played great. Yeah. He played perfect. He played a, a perfect match, and that's the shame that we kind of hope and expect for to have a chance really to win. And the balls opened up, you know, in his favor, and Shane executed. And I noticed that he put the extension back on uh, on day three. I noticed that, so that was an interesting kind of thing. There were some shot selection things that kind of had me puzzled about in the team rack how he shot that nine ball in the first game. I would have I would have never shot that nine ball rolling ball at distance. Um, I thought that was kind of for somebody his experience level, it was kind of just like you can tell his head wasn't. He, like, the with the oh, he, played, he, played, he played the seven ball incorrectly as the well. Same exact way. Yeah. 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 Well, he did the drag. He dragged the seven ball, and if you're on that table, if you're just off center, when it's that slippy, then you are your your cue ball. Yeah, exactly. You're you're just play short side on the nine ball into the other into the other corner pocket. I mean, honestly, he could have stopped the ball, or dragged or drew it back yeah. a little bit on the seven, just taking a, li a little bit of a cut. He could have drawn back full table nine. if he really wanted to like stroke it on that seven ball. He could have, and I'm yeah. surprised he didn't. Yeah. You know? But you know, there is that just tells me that you're you're not. It's not a technical error. It's more of like a mental error. Like you're not really locked in, and sometimes yeah. it takes somebody a little bit of feel back and forth take a few licks and then you kind of boom you lock in and you you kind of know what the right shots are and that can happen early on but i mean that that match shane played awesome he played unbelievable and then you know so that's a point one i think he won a point with Federer as, as a doubles partner which is probably your second strongest uh doubles uh pairing and then skyler and Federer won a point uh the the two beers point at the end of day two i think it was um that um, that's probably your third strongest doubles pairing. So we, we played two of our top three doubles pairings, but we didn't play the the, the strongest with Shane and Sky. I think that's and a big well. One. I think I think our next I think our next strongest is definitely going to be Fedor and Tyler, and they didn't play. Yeah, they did not get a chance to play, which is which oh, is interesting. So only two of the top four. 
because there was a live stream of them practicing their doubles uh, in Texas. And uh, it was uh, Tyler and Feder beat uh, Sky and Wolford uh, in a doubles match. And Sky and Wolford were up early, I think four to one. And then Tyler and Feder came back. So, you know, they play well together. Like they have very similar styles. Um, you know, I think both Feder and FSR showed a little weakness uh, compared to their normal standards because of equipment change. Both of them changing equipment yep. soon to the tournament. I, I look, it, it's me as a player. I'm not doing that to myself before the Moscone Cup. If I have 10,000 hours of play this year on my given equipment, I don't care what the relational situations are. Going into the cup, I'm playing with what I know, and then well, that's after, why you're never going to get a seventy thousand dollar plus deal. <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose, but for me, I'm like, hey, I'm, they're I'm not going to turn that down. <laughs> FSR is going to get that deal, and Feder is going to get that deal, no matter what. They just say, hey, look. Well, they're going to get that deal, assuming that they're look. Whoever's going to sign them is not going to turn down an opportunity to put all that equipment on display immediately on the biggest stage in pool. They're yeah, not going to say like, yeah, we'll sign, but you're, you're fine for this. Of FSR missing balls, he's never missed all year. And Federer missing positional yeah. shots and missing balls with that. Well, I, spoke, I, spoke, I spoke to Federer afterwards, and he says his cue had nothing to do with any of the balls he missed. I don't agree with that. I think I don't agree with that at all. You can say that, that as you want, but there's, there's, a, there's like, when you get to performance, there's a level of unconscious understanding. Mm. Unconscious competency is where you want to get to, where you just yeah. understand and you don't have to think about it, right? And so... You can't tell me that he is a better player a week or a month after. Well, I, don't, I don't agree. He just doesn't yeah. feel that it was. I understand. But and I said to him, I said, I think you're kidding yourself. I think your, your equipment had a lot. I think yeah. your equipment had a lot to do with that seven ball that you fell short on. The errors that well, I, saw, I, I I don't think you hit that thick if you're playing with your other cue. Yeah. The errors so I saw that? were related to deflection and speed control, which are yeah. both is both gear related and that's the same thing for fsr fsr switched to qtech qtech has more deflection than his revo he missed balls that you never see him miss and missed them in a way that corresponds to higher deflection and feder missed him the other way a little bit lower deflection and that's okay you know what i mean but all that aside you know you still have an opportunity to go up there and be a unit and be a team and i i just did not see that from from team usa that's the stuff that really bothers me it really it, it really for me is a big red flag because we've had now a few years of, of you know, obviously there's been extraneous circumstances that came up for JJ with the whole COVID thing, having to jump in and play, which is unfair to him. A lot of like just goofy stuff. And then the, you know, the announcement for Federer so close to the, to the cup and kind of like the goalposts moving as far as ranking, all these kind of goofy things happening. And then, you know, then that's the product you put up, I think. Um, I just, it's not, it's not good enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Finally, finally, this year, everything looked to be on track and a big improvement and a bonus in getting uh, Fedor. And this was supposed to be the year. And this was the worst result of all the years. Right. The which, to me, which to me, again, this is a better team on paper than it was last year. A thousand this percent. Is the best, yeah. This is the best team that we've had on paper since maybe the so, Justin Bergman years. So now, and I so still now, think we're better. So now think uh, we are. Uh, you know, one to one, they're all better and more experienced, all this other stuff. So now you can reverse engineer this and realize that on paper means really nothing. You know what I mean? All this on paper stuff is is talk. You get five individuals that don't become a team. You have five individuals going to get punched. You know, you really have to become one. And unless unless you have solid leadership and somebody's going to hold them accountable and shape the paradigms under which we operate as a unit and get the buy-in, then you don't have a team. 
which is why I think the only person I've seen do that in recent years has been Johan. Outside of those years, it's been dysfunctional. And then, you know, the Europeans have kind of a culture now of that bread because Johan led for so long that the players themselves know the formula and know how to generate that within themselves. And they don't have a problem buying in. They really don't. Albin, imagine, would be welcome as like a number one player on Team USA. He's okay chilling in the background, going in there, playing his doubles match here, playing a singles match there, supporting the team. Like, he doesn't care. He's got no ego, you know, about playing that role. And then he goes up there and makes great pots. And, you know, so I... I, I and the thing, the thing with Team U, uh, Europe has is they're... It's very transparent between them all, and they've all they've all been so honest with each other throughout the years that they know each other. Like Albin says, I don't want to play two matches in a row. I prefer not to. If you if you need me to, I'll do it, but I prefer not to. I like to have my breaks in between. But then you've got Filler and Jason. They'll play all day if they get the chance. Sure. Yeah, stick me out again, coach. Stick me out again. I'll play three in a row. I don't care. And mm -hmm. Albin then then Albin's like, oh well, I'm happy to miss out a couple. I'll have a little bit of a break. I'll relax. I'll listen to my music. I'll take my extra half hour to warm up and I'll make sure I'm ready for my match and it all sort of works, you know? And to my oh. point earlier, that basically they're putting themselves in position to be most effective. Exactly. Ultimately, what you have to, what you have to do as a, let's say a leader, uh, Jason was probably the, the locker room leader in that environment with, you know, it's a lot of collaboration there because like you said, there's transparency and friendship and trust. So, you know, they're putting each, each other in the best positions knowing themselves, right? On the Team USA side, I think we put ourselves in the worst positions, you know, really, uh, uh, you know, from the team match all the way to the end. I, I don't feel like we put the the alignment of the pieces in the best positions to win. And we kind of saw cascading kind of like, you know, now we're going to chase, we're going to chase and try and catch up all in one swoop. And it's just not a recipe. for. It was for almost like there was there was no plan for being 4-0 behind. Right. It looked like it. And it was like a panic. You don't want to plan for a that. Selection, a panic selection in day two. Right, we've got Federer. Let's whack him out there three times. There's no way, I think to your point, there was no way that Federer playing three times in a row on day two to start, which we've never seen ever, by the way, in the format of the Moscone Cup history. We've never seen three players play back to back to back. And then we saw yeah, when the fans' choice was getting made. I think yeah. Filler did it one year. When he Not got the fans' choice and he put singles and doubles afterwards. Yeah. Oh my God! Well, because that first that first that first match is traditionally the uh, the fans. No, the second match is traditionally the fans match. Yeah, and it used to be um, that match one was match five on day one. Right. Yeah, and then I think it was uh, something like uh, it was either Phil or Shaw. They got uh, they got fans pick, and then they played a doubles and then a singles. Yeah. I liked I liked Appleton's post where he talked about kind of how he doesn't like the way the format has shifted into kind of like your two top two players are playing the majority of matches and then, you know, that's it. Big time. Yeah. I, I like I mean, that. Wolford fact. played what, three matches? Something like that. Yeah. And it's like, to me, you know, you, you bust your ass all year trying to get on the team and then you don't get a shout. And he had moments where he looked like uh solid. I think Jason said after the tournament was over, he said he looked like their best player at times. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, if you if the tournament goes its full distance, every single player is guaranteed two singles and two doubles. Yeah. Well, so oh, hold on. Let me because I, I want to. If, if it doesn't go its full distance and you pack your yeah. your best ones in at the start yeah. and it doesn't go the full distance, then it's your it's your. Before your, we move your, on, though, your, I really want to four and five of the guys that just don't play. Before we move on from like the uh, the the lineups, I really want to ask two questions to you guys, and I'll, I'll ask the first one, I guess, to uh, to Jim. Uh, 
So the last day, why wouldn't you? So it, with the last day's order, you put out um, right away Shane and Josh. Great. The next match, you can theoretically have either of the two Scotch doubles, right? Why wouldn't you put Shane and Ty, or, uh, Shane and Sky out there? I don't know if there Why was a restriction you... based on Sky playing uh, three the, the day before. I don't know when the window opens up because there are certain match restrictions in certain spots where, you know, a player who played in match seven, eight, nine couldn't play. In that 10. was only for the singles. Right. Okay. So, so for the, double, for the doubles, it didn't matter. If that's the why case, you, yeah. then so why do you I'm, think that is? I have no idea. I mean, I, I really don't know. I don't know. The fact that we right, go you're, you're up two and, points. Don't play, and don't play Shane and Sky is, I mean, I'd rather drink uh, uh, Nate's vomit, honestly, than, than do that. I mean, it's, it's, it's just asinine to me. It's crazy. It's not, it's not even, it's not even that it's crazy. <laughs> it's just, it's just not acceptable. It really is not, you know, you can't do that. So I so would have, have an opinion. Jim, do you have an opinion on it? I mean, once you're, once you're down there, you need you need you need pretty much all the points anyway. So, I mean, but you also need momentum. Why wouldn't you try to get as much momentum as you can? Yeah, try you to put momentum. try to put Europe on their back. You need all your you need all your guys at that stage. You need all your guys who are winning points. So, well, why not really get them comfortable by winning the? If first you're talking game. about if you're talking about getting a lead, or or being just a couple of a couple behind kind of thing. But when you need to win every single match anyway. Yes, but Jim, but Jim, Jim, really Jim, you, you Jim, 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 you know, you know damn well that uh, if once Europe gets to the hill, your job as the Americans is to keep Europe off the hill for as long as you possibly yes, but you can. Need to, just once, a, but even if, listen, listen, even if it's not that match, it's two matches further down. So you're well, not sure. you're, you're not going to be back in you're not going to be back in the match before it happens. Yeah. You know, even 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 if you leave them to the last one, you're still going to be. Nine five behind, so you're still behind. Yes, but, you're still yeah, behind. yeah, but but we still have. So we have. Does two it really rookies. matter? Does it really? Yes, matter? it does because we, we, it has no, to because we have two rookie. We have two rookies on our team, and both rookies are going to be like, oh crap! I don't want to have to be the one to lose this on my rookie year. Like, I get, I get what you're saying. Like, obviously, in in a real sense, of course, we have to win basically out to win the event. But playing that right away to me says one. You're getting, you're giving your up, or you're you're going out and trying to get the first two wins, right? If you can get the first two wins, you're not putting clear. European on, Europe on their heels. But what you are doing is saying, all right, we're coming out for a fight on if day you, four. If, if you Let's want, lock if you in. Want, if you want to, if you haven't played that card, if you haven't played the 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 Shane and Skyler card on day two when you're four 0 behind, then you've left it too late anyway. Yes, I well, I definitely agree. But with that's that. not I mean, about that's, it's not about that's, playing. Yeah. It's not. We're not it's yet. not about whether they play match. 13 or match 15. But what, sure. what would it be? Uh, we're uh, definitely uh, on the same page there. Well, 12 the second, matter with this 12 or 14. It had to be earlier. It had yeah, to but be the earlier. second the second thing that it does in my mind is it, it theoretically, if you can go out there and get those wins, what it does is it gives Shane Wolford an opportunity to not have to play with quite as much stress on him as a rookie to keep USA's hopes and dreams alive. He's it's not put on him to have to win that match to keep going. Maybe that frees him up to play a little bit better. Maybe it, maybe, you know, it, it loosens him up and he plays a little bit worse. I don't know, but it, it, with those two opportunities, I would much rather have him not have the weight of the USA on his back when he's playing that singles match against David. Historically, the Europeans have put their rookies in a spot in the schedule on the last day to win the Moscone cup. That's like a tradition, right? If you need two points, then you put your rookie up second 
on the last day, if you happen to win the first point, then you give that rookie a chance to win. We did the exact opposite. We put our rookie in a chance with a chance to lose the cup. And again, I think that's 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 negative. That's that's very poor management of the schedule. <laughs> At the and end of the day, Jeremy Jeremy knows what's going through uh, Shane's head anyway. So he's put Shane out as number one. He's thinking, well, if he loses that match, I can't have him in my, in my doubles match because the cup's finished in. You got to put Maybe up. That's the reason why he's not put him out twice. Yeah, that that's you mean, it's all or nothing. And you said don't put them in an all Maybe. or nothing situation. Yeah. Maybe no, if, I mean you're, you're, yeah, you're, that could be that's that's a real thing. Picking, if you're picking between who you want to put in those spots between a rookie and between Shane, then you know you made your decision at the beginning of the cup when you put them to to lead the team roster. You understand? Yeah, so if that's the case, then then go down with your swords. But. So then, my second question is: uh, when they when did when they did the expanded roster after the after Shane won won his first match, you guys saw that they they put out the rest of the roster if it got to that point. Did yeah. you see where Shane was playing his singles? No, where was it? I saw it for like a brief it, second. It went it went in order. So if it gets to the the singles, the race to five singles, the last day, it goes Sky, Fedor, Tyler, Shane, Shane. And that's happens. SVB last, you're saying? Uh, I believe Shane went. Uh, yeah, I believe Shane went last. So, it, it was second to last or last, but it was definitely the th top three. And then it changed Shane. I I can't remember exactly what it was. And I and I looked for it online. You can't find it anywhere. So I'm sure it was on the stream. Maybe yeah. somebody out there in the chat remembered which order it was. By that, that, was by, that, by that time, you're throwing a hail mary. So yeah. I, I mean. I don't yeah, think but, it really made would have made any difference whatsoever. You need everybody. You, you don't. You, there's no way that they were going to get to the singles. Well, what uh, happens if they do every single match before then? So really, it was going to be all or nothing for every single match from then on. You know? So, so basically, what you're saying, <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong. Basically, what you're saying is the Moscone Cup is done. It doesn't really matter what the list is. Who cares? No, I'm saying. No, he's saying <clears> what I'm saying is the, the amount of importance. Match. The amount of importance on what happened on <clears throat> on day four. Is way outweighed by the, the importance of the mistakes that were made on day one, two, and three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, one, where, that's where the mistakes. I, no, were made. I get that, Jim. I get that. I get that. I do. I get that. After that, I mean, it's done. What's the point? You don't, but you don't find it. You don't there. find it interesting that Shane somehow found his way all the way back in that list. You don't find that interesting then, sort of way. I think. I think. I, well, at that point, there. How much do I? How much do I say? I mean. I think at that point there. How many? How many, how many coaches in the world? If Shane Van Bonus walks up to you and says, "I don't really want to play," how many coaches can get him to play? Let's hypothetically say that Shane Van Bonus has said, "Guys, I've kind of had enough. I don't." Hypothetically, obviously, guys, I've kind of had enough. I don't really want to play. Don't put Is this me hypothetical, out. Jim. Don't, hypothetically, don't put me there because it's going to be filler. I don't really want to play filler. Don't put me there because it's going to be there. I, you know, just stick me at the end. And if, if I'm needed, then it's good. Hypothetically, how many coaches are able to get him to go against that? There was a great uh, a great clip I saw with... That's how respected you are by your players, I guess. There was, a, <laughs> there was a great clip I saw again recently, just the other day. Coach Krzyzewski... Um, uh, talking about his time coaching the U.S. Olympic men's basketball team. And they're on their way, you know, towards kind of qualifying for the Olympics and, and um, you know, trying to win a gold medal. And he had 
uh, Kobe taking these ridiculous shots, you know, shots that were just out to lunch, flyers, uh, just not not winning basketball shots. And the teammates were like, yo, what, you know, what coach, what is this? You know, because Kobe was the man, right? He was at the, you know, towards the tail end of his career, but still the best player in the league. And Krzyzewski says, I'll take care of it. He sits Kobe down, comes in, brings him into a meeting, shows him the footage. And he says, these are, uh, you know, Laker basketball shots. These aren't um, in the Olympics trying to win a gold medal shot. And I can't allow you to take them. And Kobe says, is that all? And, and Krzyzewski goes, yep. He goes, all right, coach, you're right. Those are bad shots. I won't take them. And that was it. Kobe, being the best basketball player of his generation, uh, looked at his coach with humility and remained coachable and teachable and said, you're right. I'll make a change for the betterment of the team, swallowed his pride, and went out there and played in alignment with what his coach wanted him to do. So if you're in a position where you can't hold your players accountable, then you don't deserve to be there. Or if you're not prepared. And, and if you're a player and you're not prepared to be held accountable by your peers and by your coach, you're not prepared to be there. That's the simple truth. I don't care who you are. If you're not going to be prepared to be a team player, don't show up. Give your spot up to somebody else and we'll be better for it. That's the and truth. You know what? I'll, I'll guarantee whoever gives that spot up to. I mean, because you're talking Shane right here. You wouldn't be talking anybody else. I'll, I'll say, I'll say exactly I don't care any breathing human who wants to walk into my room as a Correct. team player or say they're going to be a team player and not be a team player doesn't get to play. You're not in my room. Get the fuck I'm, out. I'm That's you. it. I don't care who you so, are. So uh, I know good and damn well that Shane would basically say, hey, well, Let's put it this way. Who wouldn't want to go out there and say, hey, Shane, if you're not going to want to play, how about I give you thirty? Or, uh, how about I give you $15,000 of the $20,000 you're about to get, and I'll take your spot and I'll try? You think Shane wouldn't want to do that so he doesn't have to play against some of the players he doesn't want to have that's to play against? It takes if that's no, because Shane, Shane still wants to go out there for the chance at 40000 but he's only going to get engaged if they're in the match. As soon as he thinks it slipped away... Then he gives up. Well, that, his, was, that, was on, his, that was on that was on that was on game number two for him. That's it. His threshold of where it slipped away is way way lower than the rest of them. So he gives up way before they do. And to me, and then the rest positive. of them feel it, and it becomes negative for everybody. If if we all assume that that's the that's the case, right? That's the chemistry case. Then I equate that as from a team perspective, a cancer. And so you need to go under surgery, or you need to go under chemotherapy, whatever you need to do to fix the cancer at the root we and then come here performance and coaching. And th but this is, this is where coaching is, is critical. Shane's upside is probably higher than most human beings on earth. Maybe filler has a higher upside, maybe, you know, but the downside compared to his skill level is so low that it's not worth having in a team environment. If that's the risk, I'd rather have somebody who's going to go in there and, and, and play a, play a role and add uh, add synergy than have somebody who's going to tank the whole ship because everybody looks whether Shane likes it or not he has the most influence in that locker room because oh, absolutely everybody looks to him as Superman and if Superman goes out there and doesn't try then how can you with any heart or any certainty go out there and try you've killed your own team you're playing for Team Europe I, you can't it's unacceptable it's not acceptable we as americans players fans whoever shouldn't tolerate it we should hold our players accountable we should hold our players and our captains accountable because if the captain can't get them to buy in you're not the captain shane is yep. 
Well, Juan Mata Franco makes a point. Did anyone see where Shane Vermoney stood up from the couch and gestured as if he was fishing and smiling? Now, the video is on Facebook. You know, the music's playing. He's got up and he's done a little bit of dance. He's looked over. I'm pretty sure to Filler and who was playing Filler and Frankie, I think, I think, and started doing the gesture like, I'm going fishing. Now, He's getting a lot of positive comments on Facebook saying, love the energy, Shane, and yeah, you should have brought that energy to the table, and it's great. For me, that was the biggest disrespectful thing I think I've ever seen anybody do at the Moscone Cup. It was disrespectful to his team, who are actually out there playing a match. It's disrespectful to Jeremy, who's sitting beside him as a coach, and it's disrespectful to the Moscone Cup as an event. If you look at the, 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 the face Jeremy's got on him, he looks like he's about to explode. The guy is basically just announcing to the whole world that I've had enough, and I just want to go fishing. And well, you, you, you never really know. You never really know what's going in his head when he's doing that. He might just be having fun well, with it. Very like little's going through his head if he thinks that that's an acceptable thing to do. Well, it's possible, <laughs> but I—I uh, I mean, okay. So let me I just see address the a few, start to bubble. Just thinking about it. <laughs> let me just address a few of the things that have happened in the comments. Uh, there's a few people <laughs> saying you're crazy for thinking that uh, Shane gave up. He's playing his heart out. If you think that Shane has not given up. Uh, on a, in a Moscone Cup, uh, you need to go to one, and you need to look at the way that he handles himself at these events. Sometimes I remember back when uh, it was it was the JJ year um, when the the US was still very much in it, and Shane is playing a doubles match with Tyler, and Tyler is sitting in his chair forward like this, staring at the table, ready for any opportunity that he can get to, and Shane is in the corner like this scratching his head, staring at the ceiling. And he's not doing it for like five seconds at a time. He's doing it for like 30 seconds at a time to the point where like Tyler has to actually like let him know that, hey, we're up. We got at the table. If you think that he hasn't given up, you clearly had, you clearly need to be in that room and see his facial expressions when he's a member of Team USA said to me, Shane is lucky that his telephone didn't end up getting thrown out the window. Because the majority of his four days was spent like this. Well, Not watching what was going on. Wasn't interested, just on his telephone. Now that's his own. That's now whether or not this is just Shane and that's his way. But this is the impression that he gives to his teammates, and we see it as well from the audience. You know, the camera is not on him all the time when he's sitting there. But we, I pay attention to what's going on with the guys on the bench that are sitting there. Sure. And you see that he sit, he generally sits on his own. He's not really paying attention to what's going on. And whenever the whenever the players come down to, to give a little fist pump to the guy that's playing, it's more of an afterthought to Shane. Oh, the rest are going down. I'll get up. And then off he goes, kind of thing. Can I using, day, using day four? Well, using day four as evidence because he beat Josh Filler in a race to five where he didn't miss a ball. Like, congratulations. He played well for five games, six games. He's still one of the best players that has ever touched a pool cue. Even if you're disengaged, he's one of the greatest ever. That doesn't mean that you can't play well, even if you're disengaged. Like, I'm not saying that he was disengaged on day four. Maybe he was engaged. Maybe, you know, maybe JJ got in his ear and, you know, he, he put them together. But he's one of the greatest players in the world just because you're disengaged. Like, Ray, you're a, you're a phenomenal player. You're a 720 Fargo-ish. If you're disengaged, are you still going to play around, you know, a pretty high level of pool? No, I... I... I, I kind of want to say this about this stuff because I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like we're just kind of coming down on Shane about stuff. But ultimately, for a team, right? For a team, uh, whatever behavior you see from your players is what is established and allowed to happen, 
right? So if you're in a team meeting and somebody's on their phone and nobody corrects that player, you're telling that player that it's okay to be on your phone and uh, communicate to the team that you can give a crap, right? So ultimately, especially with players who are prone to disengagement, you have to be on their butt all the time. Notice when Jim said that, you know, when Shane got corrected by JJ, JJ knocked on his door and said, hey, you have to be this way. The following day he was there. So I, I believe Shane is coachable and I believe that he he will answer the call if you get on him, but it's on you to set the standard. When you have a player that's triple talented, usually it's the most talented players or the most skilled players that are the ones that you have to you have to kind of be on their butt a little bit to make sure that they're locked in. So it's it's Kobe is an exception, right? A guy like Kobe is an exception who is the, the both the best player and the hardest working player. Like that's very rare that you get that, right? But and so when you do get that, it's it's awesome, right? Because you can you can you can start really doing wonderful things as a coach. But when you have a player that has part of that, but is it doesn't maybe that comes from him not believing in his teammates, or you know maybe he's got so much trauma from having gone to the Moscone Cup that it's hard it hurts for him to get up and put himself on the altar. A lot of times they won't engage because it's a safe is a self defense mechanism. Like well I didn't try my hardest, so therefore you know it doesn't really count if I lose that kind of thing. There's a lot of this stuff that goes into the psychology, like the, the psychology behind performance. It's up to you to figure that out. And if I think, gonna, I think Shane, 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 and you Shane, have to Shane, Shane, is, Shane, Shane is able to, he's able to process failure if he's the only guy who's affected by it. Yeah. But when it, it's very, it is very difficult in a team atmosphere if you feel the responsibility and you're out there knowing, if I don't perform well, you know, there's other people that are going to be, and some people shy away from it. It's the, the fight or flight thing. And I think in a team atmosphere, that his natural reaction is to, to fly. fly and say, yeah. I just don't put me in there. I don't want to be the guy that lets the team down. I don't want to, you know, I have, he's so used to winning things and and that, that, that and you've got other guys that turn around and say, I'll do it. Great. Give it to me, you know, and they're not scared of the, of, of what might happen. They're not scared of, of future failure because it hasn't happened yet and it might not happen, you know? Yeah. And well, I, Shane, I, I also don't want this to sound like we're putting everything on Shane because the rest of the guys didn't perform to the level either. No, not, not at all. I think, I think after day one, I think Tyler was the only one that was really performing at his level. I thought Shane Walford had some decent moments, but it, again, he's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes and he got found out. Feder got found out as a rookie, in my opinion as well. Didn't reach his level, but he'll be better next year and the year after. Jason took three or four years before he became the, sure. the, Mon, the Moscone monster that he is. You know, very, very few people come into it on day one and just go, yeah, yeah, I'm at home. This is great. It never happens really, other than the likes of Phil and stuff, you know? Yeah. So it's not that we're bashing on Shane. It's just that Shane is an integral part of making... You can't have... You can't put a guy like Federer into that team and then lose Shane because it just... You don't, you don't, you don't gain you don't anything. anything. You're not you getting out of it. You're just back to square one again. Right. You know, so some way you have to get Shane in there engaged. And that team USA against that team Europe, everything has to work for team yeah. USA. You got, you got it all got has to, to fit together. And if there's a piece missing, then it all falls apart. You know, and it's as simple as that. They need everything to go their way. They need the majority of the roles. They need everyone to play at the best level they can play at. And they also need Team Europe just to not quite be there. It is. It should be. Speaking of roles, I mean, there, there, there were, I think, at least from my eye, I didn't go back and count the racks, but it felt like to me, because of the hand rack, there was a lot of volatility in like layouts after the break. A lot of things were kind of like inconsistent. 
And it so happened to lay in a position that was very beneficial to Europe early on. Towards the end of the cup, it kind of started tilting to more of an even bias, but there was a lot of like awkward positions for Team USA after the break and a lot of inconsistency that I just don't think needs to be there. These guys play tournaments all year long with a template nine on the spot format. It's an alternate break race to five. There's enough volatility with the kiss and scratch and all this other stuff to add the hand rack. You know what it is to have to go up in a match for a point that you need and got to look at John Lehman racking the balls for you. I'm mm -hmm. just like, it is like looking at, at the Grim Reaper, which is why guys- When you, are, when you already know the nine is going to float down at the bottom rail. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gross. And then, you know, you're expecting the worst. You're hitting the break the way you've trained yourself to hit the break all year long and getting awkward lies. You might as well just smash the balls because there's no point to the nine on the spot break box anymore. If you don't put the template in, you've undone the reasons for having the break box and template to begin with. So if you're going to implement a standard to change the break and get it to a point where the player is going to train and optimize for that break, you cannot have a hand rack. It is, it is egregious. It is, it's not even egregious. It's, it's <coughs> actually unsound uh, to put it politely. The reason why they used to use the triangle rack was because you had the one on the spot, you could break from the rail and you could smash them and give them a go. Maybe you can tag the one on the side and defend yourself that way, but there was enough volatility that it made the one on the spot not so brain dead, right? But you've already taken care of that by moving the nine to the spot, incorporating the break box and putting uh, you know, the template down. Now you just let the balls land where they may and you make the break an equitable thing to both sides. Now it's about skill. How good can you break? How consistently can you break? And can you deliver under pressure? And you don't have these like awkward layouts that can really swing a match. Like a guy like Skyler against Filler got no looks after the break and Filler got control, got two good breaks. And all of a sudden he's down four zero and kicking three shots in a row and you're dead. You don't ever get a look into a match. That's a race to five. So you don't give a fair shake to both guys by doing that because the balls might favor one just because that's how, you know, that's it just happened to kiss that way. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think for the sake of, uh, you know, equity and quality of match play, that triangle rack should ever be considered again for Moscone Cup. I think it's dumb. Uh, it's low IQ uh, nonsense. I, I just don't know where it comes from. And you've already taken care of the break variability stuff just by making it nine on the spot break box. Put the template down, let, let them play normal pool the way they've done all year and try and figure out and get layouts after the break otherwise we're just i don't know i just don't know why some decisions get made it's really silly to me yeah and if they if, if, if they don't like the fact that the, the referee then on television has to go and move the rack all the time then i mean there's not that many matches getting played on the table you could tap that table and it's not going to stretch it's not going to pull out it's going to be fine it's going to last for four days quite easily tapping tapping tables during a tournament where there's going to be 10 matches a day for six days getting played on it, that doesn't work. But I'm yeah. going to score the cup table, you can easily just tap that table and it will last for four days. So and, and the template's not hard to remove. These these referees travel. Yeah, they, just don't like, they just don't like doing it on TV. They think it looks a bit cheap. Yeah, okay. Matchroom is making the rules and they're a production. I understand. Well. Every part of the production looks beautiful. Yeah. It looks beautiful. The presentation looks nice. Educate your audiences. Put together a, a template on there. They said it makes the most consistent nine ball rack. It's whatever. It's it's an advent in technology. Simple. Sell it. And then like, oh, okay, cool. The racks are all consistent. We get good play. Instead, now we're you know looking at these weird mm -hmm. mud racks with six balls on one side of the table. The nine's leaking out, going to the corner pot. Like that's no good. Players don't want to see that. You know what I mean? And okay. You're on the wrong side of it. You're on the wrong side of it. Two breaks in a row. 
And it so happens that, you know, you're playing against a great player and they, they get a, a sweet rack and a golden break. Now, now, now you feel like, you know, like the gods are against you and it's easy to get. Yeah, but I mean, I, look, look I, I agree in general. Yes, I would like to see there's a template right there. But for this Moscone Cup, I mean, USA, won, well, USA won the lag 12 out of the 14 yeah. times. And it was they, their disadvantage. They got, the, they, they got the most breaks. They had the advantage already. Right, but they it missed, was they just they just missed more balls. They there just is no advantage. Missed. There is no right. advantage if if you're getting shit racks and the balls are going in awkward positions. You're not getting a clear look at, at if you're getting inconsistent results on on the break and on the rack. It doesn't matter if you have the break. Darren, right. to I mean, it, what this point what you're saying implies that that Europe got great. Racks your points only valid if you're we're getting better racks. Yeah, I'm saying for the first two days, it so happened that Europe got better racks in key moments that helped them get more points and get leads early on. That's just how it was. We were looking at awkward racks off our breaks. It's not because Tyler doesn't know how to break or Feder doesn't know how to break. It's just that's just what happens. And in short format. It's it's crippling. Darren here, he says they they seriously didn't use the 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 template. He says that amazes me. Nothing worse than a nine ball floating to the short rail after the rack. It's yeah. silly. It's silly yeah. in this format to not use the template. It's well, just the players train for it all year long. Yeah, I don't disagree. I sudden, see why Matchroom would do it though, and Matchroom is always going to do what's best for the production ultimately. So I, I would argue it's not good for the production to use a triangle rack. That's my point. I don't think it's good for the production. It's not good for for making it a, a, a more contested contest for sure. You don't necessarily have to be wrong, um, but regardless, Matchroom sees it that way, and I'm sure that they're not basing it off of nothing. Um, I'm sure. I, 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 honestly, I, I, I'm not saying that you're wrong, Raymond. I'm just, I'm just saying that I, th I thought Matchroom had finally, you know, come to the conclusion that yes, we have to use the magic rack for everything. <coughs> I was surprised when they started hand racking them. <coughs> <clears throat> but yeah, it's crazy. And with those players getting getting the, the the template rack, you're more likely to see a golden break. They love the flashy golden break. They they talk about it yeah. as like being in a bottle thing. It's more repeatable. There was three in total, rack. I think. Maybe you get seven or eight. You know what I mean? In key in key spots. Yeah. So, well, um, I, I guess I I don't have anything else I want to talk about as far as that. But I would like to have a discussion on the the coaching. So I guess before we jump in, yes or no, Raymond, are you bringing JJ back? Yes or no? No, no, absolutely. Jim? No. I also say no. Uh, I say no, not because see, it's, it's, it's a tricky one because nobody here is going to say anything bad about JJ as far as what he brings to the sport, what he brings to commentary, what he brings to Team USA. Uh, he does not have the ear of the players. Um, the players don't respect him. Well, I should say this. The players respect no, him, but they don't that. listen to him. Well, no, no, let me let me clarify. They what the moment that you walk up to him and say, I don't want to play in this spot right here, is the moment that you no longer take his uh coaching and respect it the way that you, you have to. No, I don't think a single player would have walked up to Johan and said, I don't want to play in this spot, right? Or I think that we should do this for a lineup. You have to have the players. You have to take the players' interest into heart, but the decision has to be yours. And I don't think that the decision has been Jeremy's. I think Jeremy is trying to now manage what the players are wanting to do, where the players have got to just do what JJ wants them to do. I just don't think because because of JJ's playing career and what he's done in his career, 
obviously he was an incredible player. He's a U.S. Open champion. But I think the players look at him not as a coach. They look at him as a contemporary or as uh, as yeah. um, a coworker more 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 than anything else. And I think that nobody looked at Johan that way. Everybody looked at Johan as their coach, as their leader. I just don't think JJ has the ability. So, so obviously we're going to take this branch it off into, you know, who can lead the, the team USA going forward. I don't think we can pick somebody who was, who was a contemporary of these players, who was a coworker, somebody who went to tournaments and played against them. I think we actually need to have a coach that was not a player, not one of these players peers, but only, you know, somebody who can get their ear and actually, Somebody I've, heard like a, I've heard the rumor that Mike Siegel wants to do it for free. Yeah, well, that's that's good. <laughs> I, I just i I just don't think that I just don't think that we can have an ex player be the coach going forward. I just don't think that the players are going to listen to them the way the players need to listen to them to get that done. I think I think this speaks to a broader culture change that needs to happen in the U.S. Uh, I've kind of mentioned it. Uh, on previous podcasts, but that's a broader subject that needs to be addressed. And I think the United States as a whole needs to take accountability for how they go about preparing their players, because until they take accountability, then they're just entitled whiners when it comes to Moscone Cup every year and us getting our, our nuts shot in. Uh, until we start providing solutions and putting our our, our money and our systems where it uh, where we say it's important, Right. Until we start actually showing evidence that we value professional pool, because there's no evidence to say that the United States as a whole values professional pool outside of its interest in the Moscone Cup. There are systems in place here in the U.S. for that disincentivize progress and disincentivize uh, uh, getting better as a player. The gap between 700 and 800 is the most expensive and the hardest to overcome. And the most ex and just the most difficult to get through because they're they're dwindling opportunities for people to to compete. So that's a cultural shift that we need to make and 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 adjust for here in the U.S. We're responsible for that as Americans. I think there's solutions for that to that end that we could implement, and it requires some collaboration, it requires some effort. Uh, but if we really want to think about long term being competitive on the international stage, we got to develop a culture that that grooms and breeds excellence. Right now we have a culture that brew, that, that breeds and grooms 650 and under players. So um, outside of that, in the short term, we need a coach who can, can get the job done. Obviously, Johan has shown uh, recent interest in that just out of his disgust for what's been going on with Team USA in, in this past Moscone Cup. 11-3 is egregious for that for that lineup, for that uh, quality of skill of player. So obviously he's a man that has done it before and has shown that he can get it done. He's got it done with lesser teams. Um, and so, you know, that's obviously somebody who has a vested interest in doing things that are necessary, not just what uh, Matchroom is going to allow, quote unquote, or fund him to do. Uh, I think Johan uh, made a great point the other day that he says, I don't really care what Matchroom says as far as like what they're going to give me. If they're only going to give me X, then I got to figure out the gap between X, Y, and Z to get me all the way there. Otherwise, it's not worth going there and getting embarrassed. Uh, our job as uh, fans and also as, as kind of leaders in our regional areas is to start collaborating and thinking about, you know, who our players are that we want to develop. I would... I would look at a program to develop like an like an Olympic style training program that looks at our let's say our top 20 US players or top five juniors 
and gets them iterating and working together quarterly, uh, at least quarterly, maybe bi-quarterly, training camps, little things like that, to start building this idea of camaraderie and competition. There needs to be increased opportunities for competition in the U.S., uh, regionally and nationally. I think Matrim is thinking about growing a number of opens here in the U.S. We need like four or five U.S. Open level tournaments Big to really start that coming soon. Yeah, to really start seeing kind of more opportunities happen. And then there needs to be a, a regional program that starts feeding into those tournaments uh, to really start opening the doors for guys that we don't get to see play. Like we don't get to see a BJ or we don't get to see an Anthony Maglino. We don't get to see, you know, players in California, you know, that we know are there. Like we know that they're super capable and skilled, but for financial reasons or because of disincentives, they don't get out and travel to go take a loss for like three or four years. So that's a problem that we need to solve uh, and come up with solutions for it. Um, and then, you know, we start building what we have. I think, you know, Wolford is, had some bright spots. I, you know, I want to talk about a little bit of the positives. He showed spots where he looked comfortable. He didn't look uh, frazzled or shaken or broken by the Moscone Cup environment, which I thought was very encouraging. He handled certain misses well, kept stayed positive, stayed engaged, delivered the cue, and you know, ultimately made a couple rookie mistakes. He's a rookie. That's totally, that's totally um, expected from somebody in his position. You know, Feder. I think getting you, you could tell by the sky in, in Feder match that doubles match. He was starting to get you know more into it and kind of the ball was starting to roll for him individually, which is good. And so I think he's going to be way more productive in the coming years. Um, and then, you know, Sky, uh, you know, Sky is very ignitable. You know, he's like a switch that once that switch flips, he's he's big time in that environment. Um, so I think obviously he's somebody that you can hang your hat on. Then the X factors become whoever else qualifies for the team and then whether or not the captain can get Shane to lock in. Those are the things we're looking at as far as variables. And, you know, in order for those things to yield a win, we need those things to align. And you need somebody, to your point, Nate, who who can command the authority necessary to hold people accountable. Well, for me, yeah. it's very simple. Leadership, good leadership equal, equals accountability. You need to be able to hold your players accountable, and they need to know that it's not personal. It's not an attack on them. It doesn't diminish their value to the team. It's because you value them so much that you're willing to ruffle their feathers and get them to, hey, get back in line here because we need the team to move in one direction. And until you have a captain at the helm who moves the ship in one direction and five sailors behind you who are who are pulling in that same direction, you're going to have fragmentation. And in the biggest pressure environments, you see it crumble no matter how high your Fargo is. I'd rather have, I'd rather have honestly, I, I've seen master's teams who play in APA who have played better as a team and played higher quality pool than what we saw Team USA put out. And that's that's um, that's something to think about, you know. So, well, it's, and so I guess to to expand upon my um, statement on why I wouldn't want a, a coach uh, or a player, a coach that used to be a high level players, who are you going to get that's better and more uh, qualified than JJ? I mean, I've heard I've seen Tony Robles' name thrown out quite a bit. Uh, Mike Siegel likes to throw his own name out. Uh, Earl Strickland, stuff like that. What did those, I mean, short of Earl Strickland's, I mean, he actually has a pedigree, but who actually wants Earl Strickland as a captain? I mean, that, that just seems like suicide to me. Like Tony Robles, for example, I, I love the guy. He's one of the nicest guys you're, you're ever going to find in the entire industry. Nonetheless, the entire world, the guy is an absolute class act, but what does he bring that JJ doesn't? I mean, does, does he bring anything new? I mean, he, he was, he was a player 
uh, a, a very high level player that doesn't play anymore. That's kind of just been living his life. And before all of this, no, that's kind of what JJ then, was. And then he's again, it, it, it doesn't matter what you've done previously on the table. And I don't think it really matters. Well, it does. It, it does. If the players aren't going to listen to you. No, but, and, but, that's, but that's, but that's, but that's attitude. That's good. That's not about whether or not you were a top class player before it's attitude. And your, your ability to, as a leader is dictated by the people that you're trying to lead. Simple as that. You know, you've got to get them on board. Now, <clears throat> you're comparing Tony Robles. I'm not saying it should be Tony Robles, but you're playing. You're, you're you're comparing Tony Robles with uh, JJ based on them being pool players. It's not necessarily. Well, it's not necessarily. I'm asking. Relevant. I'm asking the question, what right? What I'm asking I mean, the question. What does Tony bring? If you, if you could pay, if you could pay him enough, let Joe Rogan try it. He won't take any bullshit. He'll tell people where they need to, what, what they need to do. And he's, sure. he's, going to, he's going to be quite intimidating in the in the in the practice room and when he's having these conversations and stuff like that. <clears throat> Maybe it's somebody like that you need. Maybe it's somebody who's well, a bit of a hunger well, bastard well, who's going to turn around and say, "I don't need your input for, for 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 who's playing where and what kind of roster I'm making. I'm not here for your input. I'm going to get you ready to to play, and I'm going to decide where and how you're all going to play." For team, my, my my question wasn't rhetorical. I mean that. That's a real question. What does Tony Robles bring that, or or any other coach is being thrown what around does, right now? What, do, what, what does Ralph Eckert bring? We we still don't know because well, he didn't we have, have to. Do to know. That's that's a thing. Maybe, maybe, that's uh, maybe we'll find out that maybe we'll find out that Ralph Eckert is the worst coach in Moscone Cup history. We don't know. <laughs> but un until until the U.S. can put enough pressure on Europe to actually need a coach, we're not going to find out what he can do. Jim, could you ask Ralph if I could borrow $100, please? I think you're closer to him. Um, Nate, I think it for Team USA, it all starts and ends with Shane. It starts and ends Somebody with Shane. Somebody who can get control of him. And that's and that's why I don't think that a player only, coach can be the coach. Because Shane is not going to respect a player. Yeah. Because well, there'll be nothing that there'll be nothing like he was. The only person so what, what do they have to say to him? The only person that I've seen uh to get full commitment from Shane has been one. And it's because Johan is credentialed and has been to the mountaintop and knows how to get there. And he implemented, uh, he found a way to speak to Shane to get him to lock in. And we won two cups back to back. You remove this for us. You remove Johan from, from the situation. And Jeremy's an incredible player. He's a very smart player. He's a very intelligible, tactically sound, like all these things. But he was not able to speak to the individual inside between Shane's ears to get him to lock in. So the, the X factor in Team USA's chemistry issue is who can get Shane to lock in. Johan is the only man to date that has done it. Outside of Johan, we have not seen Shane lock in. Let's, let, let, let's, let's not forget that, that I think the chances of Matram and Johan working together again are as zero as they could ever be. I totally, I totally get but that. How about just as a name, just it might be Mike from, 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 way out, from, way out left, from way out left field, and he's on the chat. Darren Appleton, Shane will listen to Darren. I think, I think, I think out of all the players that Shane's ever played against in his entire career, especially yeah. Moscone, Darren's the one guy that he's got the utmost respect for. The the only problem is Darren is a God fearing Englishman, and he. Uh, <laughs> hey, he but would... Darren will do anything for twenty grand. Yeah, <laughs> I know that. And twenty grand all But I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Something. It was, I, I do. I, I started the whole podcast with that. I think that the key to to the USA success is Shane. 
that is the key to getting that team working is 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 getting Shane involved. Um, so I yes, mean, maybe we can pull somebody in from some, a different industry. It'll have to be somebody who feels like they can get the best out of Shane um, because that's going to be top of the priority, or it would be top of my priority list in any case. I'm being abused right now. I'm still. I'm, I'm, I'm back up. I'm back up to ninety percent tilted. Thank you. <laughs> How do we get that last ten percent out of you? <laughs> I'm being completely assaulted right now. This is not. It is. I mean, like, how Shane? He's in the team every year, and he will be for the foreseeable future until he decides himself not to be in the team. So you got to get you got to get him. You got to get Shane playing Shane Poole at the Moscone Cup. Yeah, there we go. How about my cat for captain? But I like I, I like I like this five. If it, let's say this five goes out next year, I think they play a lot better. I think Federer, <laughs> Federer's had his first go. I think Federer plays better. He's used to his equipment. I think, like you said, I think Shane looked Shane Walford. He didn't look like a, a deer in headlights. The yeah. mistakes he made are mistakes you would expect to make. Um, I spoke to him after, and he said he got caught out a couple of times by the table. He played a couple of shots wrong. They were wrong for that particular table because right. it does play different from any other table. He said he learned a lot out there. It was a, a sharp learning curve. Yeah. I think he'd be better prepared for next year. I think he's. I think he's got the nuptials. He's got the bollocks for for playing on that table. Um, I think Tyler's cementing himself as as, as a, a solid Moscone Cup player. Um, I think he's good within the team. I think he does he does the right things. He's one of the guys that he stays positive. He tries to stay positive. Um, and and Skyler, yeah, Skyler, 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 Skyler. I would just like to see Skyler work a little bit harder. I think I think he, I, I don't think he does enough off the table. Um, you know, he's he's a tournament to tournament player, and I don't think a lot happens in between. Um, yeah, but some players don't need to, you know. Um, but I think you know if if Sky plays the way that we've seen Sky, if he plays like that every single year, they've always got a chance, you know. Yeah. He just does. He has these years where it just doesn't happen for him. But that's also that's also Sky. I mean, that's that's what I mean. Part of that I think is what makes Sky as special as he is. But I thought, but I, but I really thought, I, I really thought this year we were starting to see more consistency with Sky. You know, with his well, results, yeah. his finishes in would... tournaments. I thought he's finally finding some consistency. Maybe he is backstage. Maybe he is really putting a little bit more work in. Maybe he's realized himself that you know I need to be doing this every tournament, not just having a. You know, one out of five where I where I blossom and everyone sees how great I am. I need to get so I was I was I was expecting to see him really 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 step up this year, and especially with the inclusion of Feder and that the team should the team should get a lift there. There should be more of a they should really believe that they could win instead of just saying they believe they can win, which I felt like in other years. Um, it just didn't happen, and it's it, it, it was a massive shame because. It was the the interest levels were were pretty okay. low on day two. I got to get rid of some bots, I guess. Um, but it it is what it is, and these things can happen at nine ball in a Moscone Cup. We've seen it before, you know. Um, so on to next year. Lessons to be learned. It won't be the same European team next year. I wouldn't imagine. I don't think they'll get three in a row. I'd be gross. Yeah. Don't but worry, I, I got rid of It's going to be the same coach, isn't it? I mean, he, he just he just sat drinking coffee for four days and got paid forty grand. So why wouldn't he do it again? I don't he know. Just... Do, you, do you think, do you think he just shot himself in the foot by saying what he did? 
I said I said to somebody that that Eckert looked like he uh, he was just uh, warming up his tea and the crumpets were just about to come out of the oven. He was having a great time, so I was happy. He was just loving it. He's just sitting there watching these guys doing what they do, and 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 Jason was the leader of that team. Absolutely, um, yeah. Which but, but which is what I mean, which is what you do as a coach if you come in there and there's, there's already yeah. a natural yeah. if there's already a, a natural established leader, which Jason is now. Higher in an absolute thing. in an absolute perfect team. world, we would have that too with Shane, right? I mean, Shane doesn't have the personality for it. Jason does, and it's no knock against Shane. I mean, you have the personality yeah. that you have. I mean, you can't you can't fake you can't fake be a leader. That just doesn't I, work. I, I would say I would say you don't need Shane to do that. You just need a Shane to lock in and, and show up. And yeah. you need what you do need is somebody else to do that. And somebody your else lead, yes, your leader doesn't have to be your best player. Yeah, this doesn't have to. Well, be. we we know that Tyler or we know that Sky doesn't have that. Uh, Sky doesn't have that either. He doesn't have that leadership characteristic to him. Uh, Shane obviously doesn't have it. I mean, Tyler's the one that has it, and he's actually he's actually quite good at keeping players engaged. I mean, he, we've seen it in the past, and I've heard stories, plenty of stories that I can't share on here, where he's actually working behind the scenes as hard as he possibly can to keep players engaged. And because I mean, Tyler's one of those players. I mean, whether he's down 10-0 in a race to eleven or he's up 10-0 in a race to eleven, he has that same fire in him. And yeah, unfortunately, they, they, kind of miss, they kind of miss that Billy Thorpe kind of attitude in the team, you know. Yeah, he you know, loud, loud and obnoxious, and come on, and getting everybody bouncing and getting everybody engaged, kind of thing, and you, and then and then you feel like a bit of an idiot if you're not jumping around with him because everybody else is, and then so it gets everybody going, you know. I think Tyler also has the best jawline of anybody in Team USA, and that's important to know. Okay. <laughs> well, Fedus is all covered in chalk, so you can't really tell. Yeah. Yep. Well, I I mean I I agree exactly with what. Uh, hillbilly island life is saying i i mean i love jj as, as a coach and I, I just wish i wish he hadn't lost the ear of the players but i think that's unfortunately that's what i see is what happened it's not it's not necessarily you know there's a lot of great coaches that uh lose their job not because uh, not because you know they they can't coach it's because the players just stop listening and that happens a lot with Listen, uh you know you've got it you've got it in all sorts of sports the greatest coaches in the world have gone to teams where it hasn't worked out with them. Sure. You know, there's no there's no coach that has a success at every single team they've been at. You know, and JJ possibly with other teams and with other he'd be very 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 successful. Well, I guarantee. I, I bet he would be great on Europe. And I, I mean, I, I love JJ. I think he's fantastic. I love his commentary. I think he's very fucking knowledgeable, and I love listening to him when he's talking about pool. But there was there, there there have been errors made, rostering errors in previous years, and again this year. And and you can't be doing that when you need everything to be perfect, you yeah. know. Um, so you know, it's maybe he gets another go at it. You don't know, you don't know. Um, to my estimation, I think the only guy in the U.S. that right now Matchroom has on their radar to be the captain as Scott a Frost. is Scott Frost. I yeah. said this. I said this about a month. Or so ago, to me, it makes the most uh, sense. Uh, what does he also do that JJ what, doesn't? Based on what well, they we don't know because you've never seen him coach a team before. Well, yeah. What do what do, what can he bring? Well, yeah. we've already said what he needs to bring. Whether or not he's capable of doing it or not, we don't know. I know. I know. Well, Scott why would he be? That's my point. Is why would he be? What what, does, what does Scott have? <laughs> I know Scott. Scott has been in the ear of Shane in crucial matches. Like I know Scott was integral to Shane winning that match against Cheng Jung Lin. They played that long 10 ball gauntlet marathon. 
and Scott kind of pumped him up and got him locked in to finish the match, and he ended up coming out ahead. Um, and I know Scott's been really in the grease uh, and has a lot of respect from a tactical side. He's also very good in the comms. He's worked already with Matrim. To me, it makes like a it makes like a very obvious uh, choice for somebody who has the respect of the players. Mm-hmm. I, again, I don't think it really matters who else is on the team. It's about who can get to Shane and get him to commit and lock in. That's priority one for any captain who comes on board. Johan has proven that he can do it. I would assume that if anybody could do that, it would be Scott. And But Scott needs to have a serious come-to-Jesus moment with Shane from the very beginning. If he's even hinted at becoming captain, he needs to go fishing with Shane, meet him where he likes to be met, do his thing, but express to him how integral he is. And without him locked in, nothing. it's a non-starter, you know? So I think I think those boundaries need to be established and accountability needs to be established. Scott is no longer really competing as much at a super high level. He is back playing a bit. Um, but I think from the American side, he's the only person that makes sense based on his relationship with Shane. Now, if Shane is not on the team, then somebody like JJ, I think, would thrive assuming that, uh, you know, Shane's not on the team. Because I think the other players are more prone to wanting to buy in to the mission of each other because they want to go win. And at that point, the coach becomes less critical for them. But while Shane is the linchpin for the team and while he remains active and he wants to get to, like, let's say 20 seasons playing, you got to find somebody who can get uh, in here and in here and get him to lock in for for something other than himself. It's got to be for the team. I, I agree with Hillbilly Island Life. I, I just don't I just don't see how it's it's really hard to have with a close close friend, which is obviously what Shane and uh, Scott are. I just don't see how you can you can have that dynamic of because you if you're if you're a coach, there has to be a hierarchy. There has to be there just has yeah. to be one there. Yeah. And, Does and, Scott and- have the, the 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 cojones to go to him and say, "Hey, this is how it's going to be." I know it's not our normal friendship kind of hierarchy but this is the way it's got to be you need to listen to me and we need to go forward with that hierarchy and that dynamic and you need to you need to buy it do you think that he can do that i mean well, it depends I, on depends how you approach it if you know somebody so sure. well then you know how to tactically approach it so it just happens naturally and you don't have to word it like that yeah you know yeah you have to figure out what buttons to push you have exactly. to know you have to know your players and know what what buttons really push them you know, you, you know what you know what needs to happen. You know what the outcome needs to be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. And say you have to approach it like a bull in a china shop and start going. You have to do this. You blah blah blah. No, you you massage the the idea into the person until it until it almost becomes their idea. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. There's ways that's, to it's like a lot. Yeah. Well, you need a lot. That's, that's, why you, that's why you need to work at an early stage. You can't be doing that a week before the tournament. That's why Johan got it done because he would spend an individual week with each player and then travel yeah. with the team together to, to get them in a yep. position and really get to figure out where they're at, their sensitivities, their mind, their heart, where they're at, well, and, and and figure out what the what strings to pull to get them to operate on the week that it matters most. That's really what 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 what, what we're finding out is Jim, your personality is absolutely unique. Your ability to just be the inferior Robin. In our relationship is just so spot. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the inferior Robin. You're the incompetent Batman. He's a least I'm the incompetent Batman, but you are the inferior, superior Robin. He's How's at that? least Nightwing. He's at least Nightwing. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I I've walked off of three bridges this week, and I you know 
starting to GPS my way to another one at this point from this conversation. I think, yeah, I, I, I just don't see any coaches that are available to the U S right now. Scott Frost. I mean, you guys were, you honestly, you guys were kind of talking me into him um, with the understanding that he's going to be able to have this conversation. I just don't know anybody who's ever had this conversation with somebody who's a close friend and it went well and it worked. I, I just, I mean, I just don't see that Look, ever happening. I'm happy. To, I'm happy if it does. I, like eventually on any team, like there was a, a great, uh, great clip, I think from either last season or the season before Miami heat are in a bit of a losing streak. And there's a, almost a brawl that happens on the sidelines where Jimmy Butler and the coach Eric Spolstra get at it. And, you know, they, they basically almost come to physical blows. Right. And Dwayne Wade made commentary on this and he's like, Oh, Oh, they're getting ready to win. Like they're getting ready to really, they're buying in now, you know, cause now they, they, they're expressing that it means enough to both of them to get to the point where they're engaged enough to be emotional about it. Right. Once you have that emotional engagement, now you know, okay, we can at least anchor to something. Even if we disagree on something, we know that we're both vested now. Being disengaged and, and just like apathetic is, is that's the worst. You know, that's like, that's like team cancer. It really is. So you got to get to a point where you're engaged and locked in and whatever button you have to push, whatever the secret recipe is, it might change year to year with different players. Your job is to figure out what that button is and push that button for each player and get them pulling in the same direction. That's the only way. That's a lot of work for twenty thousand dollars. And if and if and if if Scott if Scott or Shane if Scott and Shane are such good friends, if Shane wants won't do it for his team, maybe he'll do it for his friend. Yeah. Who knows? You have to you have to you have to figure out what what the psychology is of the individual. You know, we can only assume imposter. And and Scott will know better than us how to approach it if he's such good friends with Shane. Certainly, yeah. You know, and. but yeah, it's a short list. It's a very, very short list, I think, of uh, of, of followers for, for, for JJ. But yeah. Whoever it is, I, even if it is Scott Frost, I would like to see him come in as a coach, not on the technical side of things. Because JJ, JJ does coach a little bit on the technical side of things. I would like to see our coach stick strictly to the mental side of it, the, the team dynamic part of it, and then the strategy part of it. Yeah. I just don't. I think given Shane, and you can see the players that do this when 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 the team event is going on the the initial match. If there's any single question, the well, player is calling it out, and their yeah. Shane is coming over to look at it. And if there's even, or if Shane, if they don't do it, and Shane sees something, he didn't ask for somebody to come up. He just went straight up to the shot. You saw that it happened a few times in the in the well, initial Scott, team event. Scott, Scott Nobody needs help with the technical side of things. Shane is the smartest guy out in the, on both sides. Shane is probably the smartest pool player in the world when it comes to everything that there is to know about the game. We don't need help there. Yeah, Scott. Scott uh, during the comms uh, was was you know post match interview stuff was hinting at a lot of these things that he would have done differently. That I, I kind of align with what I was talking about earlier. He said he wouldn't have led with Shane. Probably he would have put him in like a cleanup. Uh, spot like a third or fourth spot in the teams. Let Skyler and Feder get in there, and let Tyler get in there, and then maybe bring in Shane and then Wolford uh, to protect your 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 rookie, and not put the feeling even subconsciously on Shane that he's got to carry the whole team. You know that, that he doesn't he doesn't like that. It's not something that he's predisposed to. Whereas Skyler loves it. You know and he kind of thrives in those environments, and and when it can be a positive tone setter, uh, he would have kind of gone that way. So I think that was interesting to hear Scott say that, that even from an observational 
you know, role seeing what's happening. He's kind of cluing into some of these uh, deeper dynamics. So to me, that that's encouraging uh, when I consider somebody like Scott because of, you know, you want somebody who, uh, you know, can see the moves. He's a great mover in one pocket and he strategically, that's how he, he thinks. Darren had made a comment too about him potentially bringing in a, a second with him, like a Billion Cardona, who he has a great relationship with and has kind of this like, uh kind of old timer respect from a lot of the players and like you know it's just it's cool to have a legend in there with you um and you know just to see things from a different perspective a lot of times you can get kind of in the in the you know the focus tunnel of, of looking at something for so long you forget the bigger picture so having uh an assistant there somebody who's kind of like overviewing and say hey you might have missed this over here or that just making off suggestions can a lot of times be very valuable so yeah. I don't know, rough stuff. Yeah. And I stand behind my statement. I think Shane knows more about the game than anybody else in the world when you take into account everything. I mean, what what's the story uh when Albin and um I think it was Albin and was it Darren and Mika or whatever it was, it was the what is it? The there was a challenge between Europe, Europe, and or the East versus West, where they had some Asian players play against the U.S. players, and mm -hmm. Shane was teaching all the the European players what to do on the break, and all yeah. the players are just sitting back like, "Holy crap!" Like I didn't know any of these things, and Shane is just like throwing it out like it's just common knowledge. I, I mean, I'll 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 also say one thing too about this whole approaching strategy for the Moscone Cup. You know, if you're a history student, if you're a student of history, and you've watched previous Moscone Cups. You know, you have answers. You have open book tests, basically. You can look back at the notes and see what works and what doesn't work and why. And a lot of times, you know, if we don't pay attention to those things, we're just going to keep making the same mistakes. And so I, to me, it's like some of these things are just are just out to lunch with some of the decisions that are made because we basically have the answers to the to the test. They've It's been done several times. You can just go back and see what works and what doesn't work. And, um, you know, to me, that's part of the the thing that bothered me about the lineups, especially early on, it just really rattled my brain. We only had Shane play, you know, one singles match. Uh, it's crazy to me. Um, despite all the other stuff, I think we talked about the reasons and why. So if you guys want to go back and watch, you can. But um, yeah, I think I think the players will take this back home and and you know. Uh, get over it, you know, refresh, get through the holidays and, and start back to work on the, on their own stuff individually. I know Shane's already fishing. He's caught some great Lakers uh, and he's out there doing what he loves to do, which is great. I know he was looking forward to that. Um, I would like to put him in a position next year to do that, uh, holding an extra 20,000 and bringing home the cup back to the USA. So I think from yeah. there, from now to then, uh, we have questions to answer and problems to solve. And uh, I think we need to get after it and not wait for somebody to save us. I think team, I think America, USA has to take accountability for some of these gaps and start filling the holes. So yeah. I think I think what Matchroom needs to do is ASAP appoint the coaches for next year. Yeah, if it is to be a new American coach, then it gives them an entire year. To, to start building a plan and talking to certain players who you would expect will be on the team. Again, as much information as they could possibly can about what happened this year and previous years and and start to build a plan and start to get in the heads of these guys and already, you know, preparing for Moscone. It shouldn't be an afterthought. It's an end of the season thing and it'll, I'll only worry about it in, in December. No. For, you know, the coach should be named by the end of December, three, even if it's JJ again. 
there's at least three guys there that should be already. Team ready. Europe has that luxury, right? Because again, they've built the, the infrastructure and the machinery, so they maybe have more leniency. But as far as Team USA is concerned, it's 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 absolutely uh, unacceptable. You know, they can't expect to really start building the momentum and the and, and the what they need yeah. from a training perspective. They can't, they, yeah, and they can't. They cannot go and announce the coaches again in October next no. year. That's no good. That, that, that's not going to help. No, no good. No, not unless they tell the coaches that they're already there beforehand. Like if they want to announce it in October, but let the actual players themselves know it in December. I mean, it's hard to kind of keep that under wraps at that point in time, which is. But the, yeah, the, the the whoever, especially if they're switching it up, they need to let they need to make that decision by the end of December. If they're gonna if they're gonna have a JJ again and they're just gonna tell JJ, all right, you're the coach again. We're not gonna announce it until October like we did last time. But just know going forward, you're the coach. Yeah. I got no problem with that. Same with same with. Uh, um, same with Europe's coach, but um, Ralph. But well, I think I think I mean, somebody I was, new. I can't, I, can't somebody imagine, new. I can't imagine Ralph won't be the coach again. I mean, they, they won eleven three. It was his first year. He'll get a second year. Um, I mean, the only, honestly, Ralph the only had in a long time too. Sorry, Ralph Eckert is probably the best dressed coach they've had in a long time as well. We I should, think we, wait, you see, wait, we see how good I'd have been dressed if they picked me. Yeah, I think I think Jimbo. I think um, I think you and I. I, I think Christmas, I should be I captain. Christmas on and everything. I'm captain. You're vice captain, Jimbo. Let's go. Jesus Christ. I mean, sorry, Lord. I apologize. I'm taking a lot of time. Sorry. About All right. That. All right, guys. I tell you what. I think we'd I think we'd get our lineups better. Uh, yeah. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, yes. I think you're right. I, I'll tell you what. Shane and Sky would be out on day one or the first match on day two. No, just look at just look at the Moscone Cup when they won it. You know, they, they put out Shane and they put on the, the, the 2018. I think Shane and Sky went out in the first one. They put Tyler, who was a rookie, out as a, the singles, and then they put the other two guys out as the other doubles. Like like Raymond said, there is a formula there that's worked. Why not just copy paste what's already been done? The, the answer to the test. Right here. What are we doing? Works again. You're you're yeah. just you're just trying to like wake me up again, Jim. You're just pissing me off. <laughs> Where's the nearest bridge? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Ray. Come on. Come on, Ray. Come on, Ray. We're reeling you in. We're reeling you in. So, man. I literally have never gone to the pool room just to curse before ever. Like, just to do that, just to, like, vent to other people who understand. Because it was either that or my, my downstairs neighbor was going to call security, uh, give me a noise complaint or something. Right. We've, back, we've, we've, we've upset Raymond enough. He has to go and have some alcohol now. Yeah, I think maybe uh, maybe we we meet up again earlier on or later on this week or maybe early next week and talk about uh, the Moscone Cup going forward and Nate, what we would do. Nate, I think that might be fun. Send, send me some spotted cow. Oh, yeah, you're gonna need some. I'll tell you yeah. what, it's pretty good beer, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh wait a minute, Apart, I, I finally wait a minute. I'm gonna send this through to you, Nate. Maybe you can put it up on the screen. I actually managed to get on TV at one stage. Wait a minute, I'll send it to the podcast one. There you go. I'm in that photo somewhere, guess. Where? <laughs> no. You're gonna you're gonna really piss off, Ray. Yeah, go stick it up. If people can Ray. guess where I am on this photo, then they can win a prize. Ray, uh is this gonna set you off? I have your I have your mental health in mind here. Oh, you're fine. I'm good. I'm good. I got my workout in for the day. I'm grounded. I'm going to go meditate after this. 
what does it say? I can't. I can't tell. Pumped. 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 I love the. Uh, I love the one that said uh, uh, Jason Shaw P's sitting down. I thought that was, <laughs> that was great. I thought that was good. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> oh gosh. Right, guys. Wow. Been fun. Yeah, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, before we close out, I got to thank all of our sponsors because they're awesome. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start with the Patreon. So thank you to Dave Wiersma, Mo Bashir, Cody Wedig, uh, Ed Ladawi, Matt Poland. Uh, thank you all for your support going forward and all of your support in the past. Uh, we will also give a shout out to Jacoby Custom Cues, who puts the biggest backing of this podcast out there. So here, watch this. That is the Jacoby Blackout break cue, which I also break with. Great cue. And for, uh, those of, for, those of you, for those of you in London, pool players in London, there's a whole load of Jacobys at Spots and Stripes, right? Yeah. Yep. They have a big package of Jacobys that were delivered to Spots and Stripes. So you can get a hold of Nigel Smith or Spots and Stripes over there. Uh, I believe they were just uh, highlighted on Carl's latest video, YouTube video. Um, so you could probably head over there and check the place out on his YouTube channel. Give a shout out to Carl. And uh, yeah, there's a bunch there. So you can head over there and check out what they got if you want. Also, we'll give a shout out to Insight Performance Coaching, Billiards Digest, Salado Pool, uh, Digital Pool, Onboard Sportswear, and Horo Tips, and Magic Mind, which I was hoping to have here by the time I got back, but I still have not gotten it yet. So I'll have to check the tracking on that package. But Magic Mind, I'm hoping to be smarter next time you see me. Once I get some magic mind in me, I'm sure you would too if you got it. Just check it out. Other than that, let's close it up for this week. And uh, Ray, Jim, thanks for joining me. Everybody, thanks for joining the show. We'll see you next week.